At first, I was like, oh my God, do I belong? I'm not really a fully minted CFP pro. Do I deserve to be there? Like all this self-talk was going through my mind. And I was like, you know what? It's okay to remember your mentor told you to join this association and to get involved. He would never tell you anything that was not in your best interest. You're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. On this episode, Alexandria Davis talked with Margarita Chang, a CFP. She has a handful of other designations and a rich background as a financial planning professional. But more than that, Rita, for short, is a great example of being authentic and true to yourself. She has built a business and reputation in the professional community based on her uniqueness, and she embraces that quality to the fullest. She's a true ambassador to the next-gen community and is trailblazing the nonprofit space by dedicating her life to running and using those abilities to fundraise for things that give back to the community that she lives in. Up next, you'll hear about Rita's background, what led her to financial planning, how to give back within the profession, and how to thank those who've come before us. Today's episode is brought to you by Markle. As an investment advisor, you know even the littlest detail can make a huge impact, such as those tiny footnotes in the back of a prospectus or annual report. For your firm's professional insurance coverage, the details are also important. That's why your firm needs insurance coverage developed for financial service professionals to protect you, your firm, and your assets. Markle's investment advisors program offers errors and omissions and directors and officers insurance. They've insured our industry and profession for three decades and have a strong reputation within our community as a result of its industry expertise, stable premiums, and excellent claims management services. Markle is proud to be the choice of thousands of financial service professionals. Contact your insurance broker or agent today to get a quote from Markle. So thank you so much, Margarita, for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So before we jump in, I I just want to say a couple things, but First, uh, because I know I also uh, say Rita sometimes (laughs) interchangeably with your name. So do you have a preference or you want the listeners to just know that you go by both? (laughs) You know what? I love the question. And I have to say I go by both. Um, You know, growing up, I didn't necessarily like my name because it was different. But as a CFP pro... I mean, I absolutely love my name. I'm like, gosh, a little bit of Rita on my side. Who doesn't want a margarita? So you can say whatever you're comfortable because I go by both. Perfect. I love that. (laughs) I love the Rita version because I'm like, all right, I'm Alexandria, but I also do Alex too. So it's kind of like this fun alternative, you know, (laughs) to your name. But um, just want listeners to know that we use that interchangeably. Um, and in addition to that, I just want to personally thank you, Margarita. You have been this amazing, incredible soul. And I just want to thank you for everything that you do with the FPA Next Gen. And we just loved having you as an ambassador this year at Next Gen Gathering. Oh, well, thank you so much. It means so much to me. And I learned so much from the next generation as well. Um, it's lifelong learning. And I'm so honored to be part of it. And I don't know if we actually have done this on the podcast, but I just have to do a small announcement on the podcast for the listeners, just in case you haven't heard, but FPA Next Gen Community announced this past um, conference at the FPA Annual Conference, the new location for the 2020 Next Gen Gathering Conference. And we are going to Las Vegas. I'm so excited about that. And dates and more details will be coming soon for everybody. But I just want to make sure that our listeners are up to date and know the info. So now back to you, Miss Margarita. Let's start with how you found out about financial planning profession and 
how it maybe became a career to you. I studied East Asian language and literature and finance in college. I truly believe I was always destined to be a CFP pro, but I wasn't necessarily aware of the discipline of personal finance. And knowing that you could actually take the concepts that you use in corporate finance and apply them to individuals and families. So here's what I mean. Um, strong financials. So your personal balance sheet, that's your net worth statement, statement of cash flows, AK, that's your budget. So I became interested in personal finance from my dad. My dad was um, a scientific developer, and he came to America by way of Taiwan. My dad came here in the 60s, and he really came here with nothing, came here with $17. And I really don't care what inflation you use. That just was not a lot of money. Back then and even now, um, he landed in Wisconsin. He didn't have money for coke. And my dad always taught me this, that you don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Everything can be taken away from you, but knowledge and education is power. So he taught me how to use a financial calculator, a scientific calculator. I knew about life insurance, like when I was 10, how to open the safe. Because remember, like I'm the eldest of three girls and I was always exposed to these concepts. And then, um, you know, in my twenties, I was always intrigued. I was good at my job as analyst, but I didn't find it emotionally gratifying, if you will. And that's when I read every book I could on personal finance. And I immersed myself in this. And after the birth of my second child, I'm like, that's it. I feel like I have the street credibility. I live life a little, um, you know, I, I helped my husband pay down his credit card debt, his student loans. We bought a house. We had two kids. Like, I'm ready to take on the world and help every family who wants to be strong financially reach their goals. So that's my story. I love that because it's it's not traditional, right? Where some people will share that they've gone to school or they took a class and they kind of found out about financial planning. Yours is very much about personal experience. Like, hey, I got some life under my belt. I've gone through some things just that we talk about in um, client meetings or with clients as far as financial events, children, a house, paying debt off. And then even early on, I'm just so impressed. I'm like, your dad, I, I just love when family pass down that knowledge of like, hey, I know that it's so important for my child to understand using a financial calculator or just understanding, um, you know, different statements. And so they spend that time when they're early on. And so it's just like amazing because then it that stays with you forever. And that honestly was what shaped you into being a financial planner and yet maybe just didn't know that at nine. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you know, my dad is gone. He passed away five years ago, but I didn't realize how progressive my dad was. He was very much old school. Like my dad was born in China and escaped communist China, but he didn't care. I don't care if you're a girl or a boy, like you need to know personal finance. You need to know technology. And Rita, you're not getting your license until you know how to change a tire. You know how to check the oil in this car. Now we didn't get to home improvement, but I feel like those three are pretty good. Like knowing finance, knowing technology and knowing these skills are very important and cars for that matter. But, but jokes aside, I mean, I do think that I also learned early on that planning makes a huge difference because when I was 10, my aunt died and my uncle didn't have life insurance on my aunt who was a stay-at-home mom. 
And my dad could have lectured and shamed, but my dad was a good man. Like he really was. My uncle said, can you loan me the money for my wife's funeral? And my dad said, no, I'm going to pay for it because this is a very traumatic time for your family. And I don't want you to worry about that. And that I'm telling you sticks with me every day. Just because we don't talk about and plan for these things, it doesn't mean they're not going to happen. And if we do, it doesn't mean they will. It just means that, remember, dad was a scientific developer, studied math. It was all about risk management and planning. And I, I take that to heart every day, even when I have a bad day and I feel like, you know, people displace their emotions or their anger, I'm able to stay grounded. And I know what my why is every single day. Your experiences are very important to hear because, like you said, if a lot of things happen and it's that planning piece that matters, how did you survive and what got you to a very, I guess, successful space in your first couple of years once you joined the profession? So I'm so glad I'm speaking to the next-gen community because next-gen means perhaps newer to the profession. It might not necessarily be you know, how young you are or how old you are, but I think If you were to ask me, I would say the most important thing is finding your voice, finding your story. For a long time, I didn't necessarily see anybody that looked like me because when I remember, and I don't think I had a chip on my shoulder because I'm multicultural. There's nobody who's quarter Irish, quarter Eastern European, half Chinese with a Latin name. So it wasn't that I'm not used to not fitting in. I'm used to being different, but I didn't see any role models who like had two babies and then joined a profession. But I didn't let that bother me. I think it bothered others more than it bothered me. Like people would say to me, well, what are you going to do with your kids? I'm like, you should be glad I have kids. I don't have to stop and get pregnant. They're already here. They're not going anywhere. I, I do recall saying that. They looked at me. They're like, you go, girl. But um, in all seriousness, I think FPA community is very, very special to me because I realized that people, people, meaning clients, connected with me because of my story. Why are you a planner? You know, here's why I'm a planner. My husband and I both multiracial, multicultural, very similar backgrounds, but yet our stories were so different. And it's because, you know, my dad engaged in these conversations, my mom for that matter, but my dad really took a personal interest because he was the dad of three girls and he wanted his girls to be good at math. He didn't want them to fear math. He wanted them to know that, you know, money is not everything by any means, but money is just like your time and your health and you need to manage it well. So um, I would say I started to feel, I can't emphasize the importance of becoming involved in FPA and your community. I mean, I had a mentor and he told me, you want to be involved in FPA. You want to read everything your clients are reading, whether you agree with it or not, you need to know what they're thinking and what they're reading. And last but not least, it's not enough to just join FPA. You need to get involved, whatever that your interest is. Like if you don't feel like you want to make cold calls, then maybe sponsorship or membership might not be the best for you. May, and if you like learning, maybe you serve on the programs or education committee. Um, and so I tell people, find that thing that you really think that you can make a difference and just go for it. So that segues us right into the discussion I wanted to have with you today, Margarita, is really getting involved and giving back. You kind of started to talk about it, but 
let's discuss the importance of NextGen in that community giving back to their communities and their profession early on. I guess it's kind of like, oh, I'm new. You know, should I be volunteering? Like, what does that look like and what kind of advice do you have? Well, sure. So someone told me about volunteering giving back. You can volunteer and give back to your spiritual home. You can volunteer and give back to your alma mater. If you have a talent and you like to coach or, or youth sports. And then you can also, there's so many ways to give back, but your professional association, your professional community. And I'm here to tell you, I, I was two weeks as a financial advisor. So I didn't even have permission to use the CFP marks because I hadn't satisfied the experience. And you may say, you know what? I'm new to the profession. I don't really know much. How can I help? I helped an advisor with technology and that helped build my confidence. We all have skills that we can bring. So maybe you might think I'm new to the profession. I'm overwhelmed. I don't feel like I can be in charge of something. You don't have to be in charge of something, but your voice, your input, your experience matters because you are going to make your association and your local community more vibrant. You're going to help it thrive. So um, I always tell people there's something that you can do, even if you can't go to meetings, you can share um, the events with your network, you can take time to speak on the phone, to uh, talk to a student who's perhaps pursuing financial planning. So there's so many ways in which your voice and your talent really can make a difference in the life of somebody else, even at a pro bono community-based event. To your point, like there's so many ways. And one thing that I just love to do, and I always kind of am sharing is, especially if you're new, <laughs> the best way I always thought it was cool was to sign up to help with like registration and like check people in at an event <laughs> because you naturally get to meet every single person because you're handing out their badges, answering just general information. And every single person is going to see your face and your name before the event even starts. And so like talk about build a network before anything gets going. I mean, that's right there in itself is volunteerism and and, and help. I mean, down to the smallest thing like that is so beneficial. But sometimes I hear from the next gen community that it can be difficult, especially with starting a new job. Um, but maybe, Rita, you can talk to uh, that a little bit about how you give back to your, com your community um, and that, I guess, authenticity of you doing that great work as a volunteer and how it's maybe blessing you still within your career and your position that you're in now. Absolutely. I do believe that it is overwhelming and I'm just going to confess because we can look up the data. So I actually joined FPA in 2003, but it took me a while to get around to going to my first meeting because they meet in Virginia. I live in Maryland and I got to be honest, it's not that far but I had two little ones. I mean, at that time, both my kids were like younger than five, right? And so it was hard to get across the river, especially if they were meeting at night. So I had to make sure that it was lunchtime. But then if I had to like pick up a kid from preschool, I had to make arrangements. There were a lot of things I had to go through. I actually probably joined, uh, so I joined in 2003, but it took me a good year before I went to my first meeting. Um, 
And at first I was like, oh my God, do I belong? I'm still satisfying the experience. I'm not really a fully minted CFP pro. Do I deserve to be there? Like all this self-talk was going through my mind. And I was like, you know what? It's okay to like, remember your mentor told you to join this association and to get involved. He would never tell you anything that was not in your best interest. You need to go. You belong in that room. It's not that no one told me. I didn't belong in the room. I want to be very clear. I just didn't think I belonged in the room because I didn't see anybody like me. And when I went in that room, it's true. I didn't see anybody, but I was greeted. And so what I do in terms of giving back is when I come to an FPA meeting and I see somebody, I make sure that that person will have at least three. I love the number three, three names and three friends. So if I cannot be at that next meeting, they have three people who they know. And so they will not come back to a lonely, empty room. Um, I think that it's so important that people feel um, included and welcome. If they decide they don't want to come back because they're busy, that's okay. So, I mean, I hope I answered your question. And someone told me, um, hey, you know, FPA needs help in the membership committee. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll help. I'll make phone calls. And I didn't realize this, Alex, but the first year on this committee, I recruited 11 members. I won a national award to go to the first FPA national conference. It was 2005 in San Diego. And this is really relevant because I really couldn't go to a lot of chapter meetings, but I made calls and I visited campuses to get people to join the chapter. It was that point where local leaders said, oh my God, I got to meet Margarita. Do you want to join our board? because I see you've been helping with calls on the committee. And it was that point where I said, sure, but you know, I just satisfied the experience. I'm kind of young. Is that okay? Someone said to me, you're going to be fine. You're going to be great. You're the best person for this job. And that is so important because they didn't choose me based on years of experience or tenure. They chose me for the qualities that they saw in me, which means talking to people, making them feel welcome, and recruiting members. And that is the beginning of my FPA leadership journey. Wow, there was so much like good nuggets. I hope people can write some of this down and like really implement some of it because down to just the three names, three friends. I can tell you when you go to an event, there's always someone new, and if you could do that every time, I mean. Then people will not feel, you know, not included, you know, because everyone is making the effort to get to know everybody. But I also think it's really impactful. You discussed being, you know, the only minority that maybe be in the room at the time. I think it's really impactful that people do this um, with people they wouldn't normally talk to, you know, going up to someone that doesn't look like them, doesn't fit their the mold of where they live and grew up to really get that experience part um, that you're really sharing with us. And then also to your point of joining um, the board or volunteering, you know, you have a voice in something unique, even if you're young or don't have experience, you bring something to the table that is just Super important for the profession to keep moving forward. So 
Yes, it can be something small as just giving back at the registration table, or you can take your leadership skills to maybe the next level by joining a board and getting some skill there. Um, And not even just in professional associations, even outside of your professional association. Um, So maybe you can talk a little bit more to that, because I know that there is a lot of reservation sometimes to join a board or feel like I could do that with being a new person. And maybe you can unpack that a little bit of like, maybe what should we be sharing with our bosses or our firms to have them see the value of me being on like a local board or being a part of the Financial Planning Association? Absolutely. So I do think that if anybody were to take anything away and the only thing they do is I'm going to greet three and make three friends, I'd be moved to tears, right? (laughs) Um, I think no one would. So I'm in a unique place because when I was an FP leader, I had actually just aged out of next gen. So me wanting to support next gen, it wasn't self-serving. Like I had a lot of people come to me. Well, no, this didn't exist when I was next gen. Like, why should I do this? I'm like, you know what? This is the future of our profession. We have to commit and make investments in them. It doesn't mean I don't love you. I love you too. And I want to respect and honor all the traditions that you have put in place to make this chapter amazing. But the way this next generation entered the profession is different and we need to respect and honor that. So that's how I handled that piece. Now, some people said, well, you know, I don't know that I want my staff going to next gen because they're going to get recruited. I think that's the wrong mentality. I think that's the scarcity mentality. I think if anybody's leaders are listening, you should encourage your staff. You should even pay for their membership because this is a professional development. They are growing professionally and personally. So that is Margarita on the FPA leadership soapbox. You get back so much more than what you give. As far as leadership for board positions in your community, So I'm going to say this, that I just ran the New York City Marathon the day before yesterday. And I'm not saying it to say it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not saying it to say it. I'm so great. But I give back to my community. I'm all about financial literacy. I'm also very committed. I'm the mom of three, two girls and a boy, of creating opportunities for our girls to feel safe, healthy, confident, and empowered. And Girls on the Run, this is just an example, if you're into health and fitness, There are many boards, but I'm just going to talk about Girls on the Run in particular, that has a call for young board members, meaning they want recent grads to support their initiative because recent grads can provide different perspective. So I want to be very clear. It doesn't mean that they don't want people more established in their career. They want both. And I think that's why I would definitely encourage anybody listening Time is very precious. Find what you're interested in. If you want to be involved with your alma mater, that's fine. Your spiritual home, um, financial literacy ministry, something related to youth sports, um, whatever the case might be, you have something that interests you. It's your passion. And there are people who really want to tap into that. And it was great how we all came together. Like I said, it was the New York City Marathon, but I also did this for the Chicago Marathon. Our teams for Chicago, we had 268 runners. We raised almost half a million dollars for the girls at the south side of Chicago. And just this past weekend, New York's team is smaller because it's a little bit more challenging course. 
we raised like more than $200,000 for 180 girls to get scholarships. So this is good because it pushes me outside of my comfort zone. I become fit. And I know like when I crossed that finish line, it did not matter how fast I was. What mattered is I crossed and I created opportunities for girls in under-resourced communities. And for that, like, gosh, if that doesn't inspire me, the work I do in my day job does. And if that doesn't inspire me, then my hobby does. So I totally feel fulfilled. That's amazing. And again, congrats, Rita, on that, because that is a huge accomplishment. And just the impact that that will have is going to be great, especially for those girls. One of the things that I was thinking about during your story was next gen being a part of firms that oftentimes are very charitable giving in their communities. Maybe you can provide some guidance for the next gen to how they could explore getting more involved in their firms, giving opportunities within the community. You know, how do we get that conversation going as a next gen when you're in a, you know, a new job that's already really giving back to the community? Well, sure. Well, the one thing, so I'm going to tie it to running a little bit. You never know who you're going to run into. And here's what I mean. You know, when you're training, you have to go on these long runs. And there was this lady who looked at me. She said, you're a margarita. I said, that's right. She's like, I saw your photo. This lady's a diversity officer at FINRA. So you never know who you're going to run into. And she invited me to a conference to talk about diversity and inclusion. So we're coming full circle. But I know that the next generation and next generation for this matter could be any under anybody um, who's not already in the profession really cares about social business. They really care that their work is making a difference. So, you know, some of the more progressive firms give their employees, their staff, their team members time for professional developments, right? They may allow them to have time for, you know, community impact events or community service events. I like the term community impact because you are serving your community to have an impact. And you can say to your boss, you know, I want to do this run. I would love for us to put a team together, get shirts made. It's really easy. Or maybe there is a, um, a way in which you want to get your clients involved, you know, school supplies, back to school, or gosh, it's the giving season. Um, blessing baskets for families. Um, so there's a lot of ways in which you can um, give back, but also help um, employee engagement and really feel good about the work you're doing every single day. I love the example about blessing baskets. It, you're so correct. We are in total season of giving with the holidays coming up. This is a huge time where, you know, it's just really amplified. There is so much that you can be doing to include the firm or the job you do or being a next gen that can have an impact. So if that's blessing baskets, that's great. Or so many local um, financial planning association chapters do financial planning days so what, how cool would it be if your firm did a financial planning day at like the local school for teachers or, you know, for a nonprofit that's in the area? I mean, there's so many ways to 
get creative. I, I think it's just a fun way to also build that culture within your firm or amongst people that you're now going to be working with. And I just love that. And people do business with people. And, you know, you can do what feels right for you. This is what I always tell my clients. At the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm going to do comprehensive financial planning and we're going to go through everything. And at the end of the day, the right decision is the one that's right for you. Not what for your neighbors, not what firm XYZ is doing. So, I mean, another example is let's say your firm serves women, right? So you could do a pack of purse. How many of us have a purse that it's not ugly, but we don't really need it? Well, you can stuff that purse with toiletries for a woman, right? There's a lot of you know homeless women that may not have the proper personal care products, right? So you're doing something good. You're giving women dignity and your clients would totally embrace that. Or maybe it's a situation where you're like, I don't really have time to do that. You could give, get gift cards for baby supplies for, because there's uh, families with young children in transitional housing and diapers and formula and these things, they cost a lot of money. So giving the, uh, the, the shelter like, you know, gift cards for Target or whatever the case might be, it might seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference. So there's so many things you can do and there's so many ways in which people come together, particularly others, you know, who are new to the profession can, can feel included and know that they feel part of the team. They're a valuable asset. They have strengths and qualities that make a difference. Thank you so much, Margarita, for sharing those examples, because I, I feel really empowered just <laughs> talking to you right now to go, oh my gosh, what could we be doing, you know, at my firm? I mean, I do things within my own community, but that would be really, I feel like a great way to build that culture, like you're saying, and um, make everyone feel included to do something together. I think giving back is a great way to do that. And also to just kind of transition us a little bit, um, I know that you do a lot of giving back, and especially through the form of mentorship. And we all know how extremely important it is to have a mentor. But maybe let's talk a little bit about how does a mentor help support and coach a young professional? Like, what are the must-dos or <laughs> make sure that we're doing to really kick off and make it a successful experience with a next-gen individual? Sure. So first, I want to say, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but you can actually have more than one mentor. And um, I know it sounds silly, the other thing as a mentor, as a mentee, you need to make sure that you're prepared. Um, you need to make sure that you are, you know, going in with a realistic expectation. You're a mentor and every relationship is different, but you need to make sure that you're realistic about what you want and you need to make sure that you're prepared. So as far as mentors, first I'll say um, a lot of people think that you just can have one. That's not the case. The other thing is, as a mentee, you have a responsibility to be organized because time is very precious. Um, and I would say, you know, just ask. The worst they can say is no. And if you actually don't want to use the word mentor because you're nervous, you know, you can ask for someone's time, but you can do it in a way where, um, you know, you come to them. Like, I love coffee. And, you know, I might say to somebody, I was like, hey, do you have time? I, I'd like to catch up with you. And, you know, and I'll tell them what I'm talking about. Can I bring you your favorite espresso drink or, or, or whatever it is they like? Um, but I, I think that people 
like knowing that they're helping and the time they invested in you, because it is an investment of time, is making a difference. I know that I've mentored a lot of um, aspiring CFPs. I know that I've mentored a lot of aspiring certified financial planner professionals, CFP pros. And I know that sometimes it's overwhelming that a lot of people want to ask for your help. You know, mentees have a responsibility and mentors also have a responsibility as a mentor, you're, you know, to guide them. They're not your employee. (laughs) So you can't say you should. So I think that it's important to, you know, be there to support them. And that's what I say. My job is not to judge you. My job is just to be there and create a safe space for you to ask questions. And so I would say at mentees have responsibilities to make sure they are um, clear in their ask. But mentors also have a responsibility not to judge and say, well, if I were you, well, you're not me. (laughs) That's not what I'm looking for. One of the things I thought, there's a couple of things, but the first one was your point about multiple mentors. And oh my goodness, that is so true. But Maybe you could explain why would a, a person need multiple mentors and how would you differentiate maybe having this person versus, oh, I should have this person be my mentor. Like, could you explain that a little bit for a person who's maybe seeking a mentor and then they're like, what? We could have multiple. Why? Why would I do that? Well, sure. So if you are, I want to be clear, if you have one mentor and you don't, and, and you feel like that's what you need, that's okay. But as you're evolve as a planner, you may find that you may need another mentor. So here's what I mean is you have, may have one mentor that may say that may help you, um, join the profession, right? But then as you join the profession and grow and develop as a professional, you may say, you know what? I want to open my own firm. Like I want to join XY planning network. Hmm. I think I need to talk to somebody who has done that. Because the person who may have helped you join the profession may not be the most ideal mentor for you to launch your own firm because they might like feel a little bit threatened. Oh my God, like I brought you into the profession uh, and I introduced you and now you want to leave and start your own firm. So there might be reasons like this where you may need another mentor. Um, Another thing is, you know, you maybe not a mentor. I'm a firm believer in peer to peer. I did this early on my career where we um, had a group of female uh, financial advisors that would get together once a month and it was peer to peer or it was peer to peer mentoring. And there was a topic of the day and there was a planner of the day. So there was structure. It was not just a complaint session and you had to come back. So you left the meeting with your to-do list no more than three to five items. And then you had to come back to report to the group. So you can have an individual mentor. You can also have peer-to-peer mentors. And that's really like what, what makes NextGen so incredible. You do have your peer-to-peer community to support you. One of the things too you also recently said was that mentees need to come prepared. So what when, when you're mentoring <laughs> young professionals or new CFP candidates, what does that mean to you as a mentor for the mentee to come and show up prepared? 
in my mind, to come prepared means to come with questions. Um, that shows engagement. And even if I don't know all the answers to your questions, I want to help you and I'll help you get the answers to your questions. I think it's really important to come with the questions. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. And even if they're difficult questions, um, that's okay. I, I like questions. I, I think that demonstrates um, preparedness and engagement. So I would say, and also think, be realistic. Like, um, I'm allowed to say this. So I try to be very um, open, but I get messages from people on LinkedIn who are not FPA members, by the way. And they're like, hi, here's my resume. Can you look at it? And I mean, I may look at it, but if I don't know you and I have no context, it doesn't mean I'm going to annoy you. And then they come back two weeks later. Hey, have you, do you have anybody in my network that you can introduce me to? So there's a couple problems here. A, you're not an FPA member. So I, I don't really know if you really are into financial planning. By being an FPA member, I feel like that's a natural filter. You believe in planning. Second, you haven't even sent me a customized message. I'm very sweet. My kids are like, mom, you got to say no. Like you got to delete these people. Who are these people? Um, and I'm like, you're right. They call me out. So I would say being prepared means just taking the time to customize your message and maybe write me a little two or three sentences about who you are and why you have outreach. Um, that means a lot to me. And then, but that's a true story about these messages. <laughs> so I guess that was like what to do and then what not to do. I really think that that's important for listeners to hear because I could think of a time, even for myself, where I had a mentor and I was not coming prepared. And it didn't even cross my mind that <laughs> I needed to be prepared. I, I had this like mentality of like, all right, I'm just, I'm going to show up and being in this person's space, the information and wisdom is just going to transfer. <laughs> like that was literally my thought process and not till like I heard or um, got wisdom from someone else that said, well, what do you do during the meetings or why are you meeting with them? Like, what are you hoping to get out of it? Did I even go, geez, I, you know, I never even thought of that. I kind of just showed up and, you know, Maybe the mentor had something on their mind. So on the other side of the conversation, I want to see or get some feedback from you on how mentees can be giving back to their mentors to maybe show gratitude for their mentorship or help them out in a way where you feel like the investment was worth it. Sure. So I'll tell a story of two of my mentors. So the first mentor and, and how do you find a mentor? It just can sometimes happen organically. So when I was, when I joined Ameriprise Financial, I was in an area office and one of the senior financial advisors or more established financial advisors attended the same university that I did. He also was in the same co-ed service fraternity. Now, when I was on campus, it became co-ed, but I believe when he was on campus, it was still all male. So we had that connection, same university, um, fraternity, but then I was invited to be a young board member for the business school. And so that's another way, um, for those who are listening that you can, you know, put your name out there for board service. So he 
it just happened. He's like, oh, I see you went to such and school. Oh, and you were you're, you were in such and such a co-ed service fraternity. So he, uh, I didn't say, will you be my mentor? I think he took an interest in me. And I just want to say, you know, this is post Me Too movement, but there was nothing weird about this interest. If anything, he was very hard on me. And I mean it in a good way. He's like, there's two things you need to know how to do to be a successful advisor. The first thing that you need to do is you need to know how to get clients. You, it, I don't care how smart you are. You need to know how to get clients. I'm like, okay. He's like, the other thing that you need to do is once you get those clients, you need to know what you do with them. That's also important. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, the next thing is once you got those clients, you have to prepare. And so like, he was very hard on me, but I was on point. And I knew that how I thanked him or paid it forward is when I moved up FP leadership ranks, or one time I hosted a webinar for CFP board, he was so proud to hear my voice hosting this like webcast for CFP board anytime. And it wasn't me like bragging, Hey, I did this. He would just kind of share in my success. And then the second mentor I had, um, who invited me to serve on the FPA board, um, we give leadership awards. I actually gave him his leadership award. And I thanked the chapter. I thanked him in front of the whole chapter. And I said, I would not be here. I mean, I thanked him in front of the chapter. Um, and it, it's just like it brought it full circle because I was the leader that presented him with the award. So I think an attitude, it's not cliche of gratitude is really important, but also make sure that you are out there. I am very intentional in supporting the next generation of SPA leaders as well as financial planning profession leaders because I know how important it is for our future. So I tell everybody when they say, Hey, Rita, this is amazing. Can I buy you lunch? How can I thank you? I'm like, first of all, you don't need to buy me lunch, but if you really want to do something, you can make a modest donation for these girls. But honestly, you don't even have to do that. The only thing I want you to do is make sure you're looking around and you're supporting the next Margarita, um, the next Alex, that next person. That's really all I care about because I'm so happy to see you be successful. I just want the next advisor aspiring CFP pro to have that chance. So do that for me and do it for our future. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Make sure to pay it back. Is what yes. It is. <laughs> I love that. That's really important. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, Rita, I just want to give you the space because, I mean, I could just ask questions, but you just have so much wisdom. I love it. I love that you can share it with us and that you're so authentic and, you know, honest with us. Are you telling us your truth? Um, but what would you leave with the next gen community as we kind of close and wrap up our kind of discussion about giving back? Um, you know, especially during this time of the month, it'll be November when we're all listening to this. What tidbits do you want to leave for the next gen community? 
So first and foremost, if anybody has any questions, I put myself out there. You can message me. You can direct message me on Twitter, LinkedIn, email me. I just want you to know that I'm here for you. Um, That's very important to me. Second, um, if you think you don't have that much time, not only you get CE at FPA. So that is but I leave every meeting feeling smarter. And to me, it's great to go to a meeting because I get to see um, my friends. They're my friends. This is our community. So I leave you with that um, because I'm very, I would not be where I am without FPA. Um, I feel that it is my professional family. Awesome. Thank you again. And thank you for sharing that tidbit about three names and three friends. So everybody, let's all start doing that today. Thanks again, Margarita. Thank you so much. Today's episode is brought to you by Markle. As an investment advisor, you know even the littlest detail can make a huge impact, such as those tiny footnotes in the back of a prospectus or annual report. For your firm's professional insurance coverage, the details are also important. That's why your firm needs insurance coverage developed for financial service professionals to protect you, your firm, and your assets. Markle's investment advisors program offers errors and omissions and directors and officers insurance. They've insured our industry and profession for three decades and have a strong reputation within our community as a result of its industry expertise, stable premiums, and excellent claims management services. Markle is proud to be the choice of thousands of financial service professionals. Contact your insurance broker or agent today to get a quote from Markle. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live how we do what we do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.